invite you to turn to the third epistle of John. The last book in the Bible is Revelation. The book right in front of that is Jude. And then right in front of that you find the tiny little book, the little letter of Third John. Third John. And we want to look at it this morning. I'll begin reading in verse 1. And we'll read the entire book of Third John. Okay. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, You will do well, because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We, therefore, ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all, And from the truth itself, and we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have a record of your word that we can read. I thank you that you've given us your spirit to guide us into truth, to enlighten and make application of the word in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that your spirit today would really do a very personal work and active work in each of our lives today. Lord, I am dependent upon your leading and your empowerment. And I just pray that we would have spirit-directed listening ears to your spirit today. And I know as we obey your spirit that you will be glorified and there will be joy in our hearts as a result. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. An interesting little book. Um, John in 1 John presented many biblical truths In 2 John, he brought it down and made it a little personal. You can't get any more personal than 3 John. I mean, he mentions three different, in in just this short book, he mentions three different people. 
He mentions Gaius. He mentions Diotrephes. And he mentions Demetrius. And he makes it very personal in, in a good sense in regard to Gaius, which we'll look at, in a negative sense or bad in relationship to um, Diotrephes, and also good in regard to Demetrius. And then we want to make application um, regarding ourselves. But think about it. Here were individuals, and in particular, Gaius and Diotrephes, that by their lives, what they did or didn't do, their names are recorded in the eternal Word of God. That's, that's pretty amazing to me. And to think of, of the fact that um, John writing here specifically calls them out. And he commends Gaius. He, he lifts him up as an example. And he commends him. He's writing to him. And he's going to be giving him an exhortation. But he commends Gaius. And first of all, he says in verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. He had a prosperous soul. Uh, Titus talks about being having a, a healthy heart, being sound in the faith. He had a walk with God that was growing, and it made him to be very prosperous. So the point, uh, prosperous in his soul, to the point that John then prayed a prayer, which you don't often hear pastors praying at a hospital bed. He prayed, I pray that you would be in health even as your soul is in health. Ooh, would that be a good thing to pray? It was a good thing to pray for Gaius, and it ought to be a good thing to pray for us. Think about it. If today you physically took on the health that your soul has today, would you be robust and bouncing out of here, or would you need someone to carry you out of here? John is writing and he says, Gaius, I know spiritually you are strong, you are prosperous, you are are robust, you have a walk with God. And he he was writing to Gaius and some think that maybe um, Gaius was was battling some, um, some health issues or maybe was weak physically. And John said, I pray that your body would be in the same strength that your soul is in. Now imagine, as I said, imagine if at noon today you automatically became physically as according to the status of your soul. I mean, some people haven't eaten spiritually in weeks they would immediately become weak and anemic and, and need to be carried. But not Gaius. He, he had a prosperous soul. And even though physically he may not have been doing so well, the truth of Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 that ought to encourage all of us, 
Though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That ought to be an encouragement to every one of us that uh, are starting to feel some of the effects of years on our bodies. That though the outward man is feeling the effect of, of the years of living, the inward man can be renewed. The inward man can be strong and prospering. And Gaius was that. He had a, a prosperous soul. He was strong spiritually. But you notice also, he said, I pray that you would prosper and be in strength as your soul is. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Gaius was a man that was committed to truth. Again, John, in his letters, keeps coming back and pounding upon truth and saying we must be committed to truth. And just these um, brief, brief little letter here, seven times he makes reference to truth. We said in Second John, he over and over again made reference to truth. And he's praising Gaius because he walked in truth. He was committed to truth. Without truth, you have nothing. I didn't catch much of it. In fact, I didn't catch any of it. I came out and someone had the radio on. And, uh, and I said to them, what are you listening to? And they said, oh, Jan Michelson, this was a week ago, Jan Michelson's talking to someone and he's bringing out truth or loyalty. What, what is more important to people? I don't know if any of you heard it. And, and he said, we live in a society where loyalty is more important to people than truth is. That Owners of businesses are hiring people that are more committed to being loyal than they are truth. That people are, are committed to voting for people that are loyal rather than truth. Listen, if you do not have truth, you have nothing. And we live in a day today, I want you to be loyal to me not to truth. Whether I'm truthful or not, I want you to be loyal to me. That's the world we live in. That's a sad state. We all ought to be loyal to truth. And that's the basis. And John praises Gaius and he says to Gaius, he said, I know that you are a man of truth. I know that you are committed to truth. Truth must prevail over loyalty, over love, over everything else. Why? If you walk in truth, you will love. John, the beloved, and in 1 John he talks about love, but you can't separate love from truth. If you walk in truth, you will love. But if we get a fuzzy view of what love is, it will lead us in the wrong area. If there is truth, 
and we are committed to truth, it will lead us in the right direction in everything else. But it wasn't just a commitment. Gaius didn't just have a commitment to truth, to know the truth. It says, I rejoice that you walk in truth. Walking is the most basic means of progression in mankind. Incidentally, I read the other day, and and I remember this because I liked it. If you walk a mile and you run a mile, you burn the same amount of calories. So why would I run a mile when I can walk a mile, huh? Now, if you walk a mile eating an ice cream bar, you won't burn the same amount of calories, all right? But walking, he says, I rejoice that you walk in truth. Do you understand? It's the most basic form of advancement, and it's one step after another, and that defines the Christian life. It is a walk. He, he didn't say, Gaius, I am glad you know the truth. In fact, I heard you won the Bible quiz tournament, and you are the Bible trivia. In fact, at family camp, no one will ever play Bible trivia with you because you just annihilate them. Way to go, Gaius. No. He said, Gaius, you practice what you preach. You walk in truth. And in understanding, that means he was faithful. It's a, it's a faithful thing. He didn't start and stop. He didn't take two steps forward and then three steps backwards. He continued to walk in truth. And, and that is a great statement because you know the battle that there is to walk in truth. You know that every, te- every step that you take in truth is a contested step. Satan is there to get us distracted, to go off. Our own heart wants to lead us astray. And he praised Gaius and he said, I rejoice that you walked in truth. And then he commended him for one other thing that we want to mention here that involves several others, but that he served others. This, remember, is just about 60 years after the time that Christ lived. And there were many people, many believers that were traveling. And they were traveling to scatter the word. They were relocating to different areas. And as they traveled, they didn't have a Motel 6 or a Ramada Inn or a Super 8 or anything like that to stay in. And as believers, they would come And they were dependent upon staying with other believers. And Gaius had earned the reputation that he always welcomed them. Uh, Remember, 2 John was written because the lady of 2 John was welcoming false teachers. But Gaius was welcoming believers. He was willing to serve. He was willing to give of himself. He served others. And he had a reputation of being one that had a generous spirit. He understood this principle. Freely we have received, freely we give. Everything that we have is a testimony of God's grace. 
and God has freely given to us, and it's not ours, and we ought to freely give. You notice he said, verse 5, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. And he goes on, verse 6, They bear witness of your love before the... They go out and say, Man, when we stopped at Gaius' place, what a man. He served us, and they you sent your love before. You know... Every one of us have been in homes that you definitely felt like a guest. And then you've also stayed in homes where you felt like it was your place. They said, help yourself, make yourself at home, whatever. It's yours. There, have at it. That was the reputation Gaius had. He gave to them when, when these people traveled through and strangers, people he didn't even know, he had a reputation that he had earned, that he was hospitable. He was willing to host visiting servants. He served. He was willing to serve. That was Gaius. And then John completely changes the tone. In verse 9, he commends Gaius, his testimony, what he's known as. And then in verse 9, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Now he starts in a condemnation of the life of Diotrephes. I mean, he called him out by name. He said, here's a man that is in the church that he loves to have the preeminence. He loves attention. He isn't satisfied unless um, he gets the attention. He pouts when others get the attention. He loves to be in control. He wants to be the leader. He's self-centered. He seeks places of power, he's arrogant, he's insecure, he's disrespectful, he's inhospitable, he's contentious, he's willing to speak ill of others, even to the point of slandering John. Here was John, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, he's not perfect. But Diotrephes had no problem slandering John. And you read here that he didn't receive them that came. He used malicious words and spoke evil. And those that wanted to welcome these other believers, he forbid them to do it. And if they did, he kicked them out of the church. He loved himself more than others. He was proud. He was self-willed. He was undisciplined and spiteful. He refused to accept spiritual authority. He slandered John. He cold-shouldered servants of the Lord that came along. And the Scriptures say that the way that we treat people is very, very important. That pride and arrogance are far more serious than a lot of things that we think are 
hallmarks of Christianity. Diotrephes was an example of a flesh-run person in the clothing of a Christian. Now, whether Diotrephes was truly a believer or not, God alone knows that, and I'm not here to debate that. But we know that when a person is driven by pride, the pride produces a desire to be preeminent. The preeminence then leads to looking evil on others and falsely accusing others so that you can clear the field for your own claims. And eventually, if they stand in the way, you have to annihilate them and put them out if they don't roll over for you. Now, I wish I could stand here and say, but we all know that that never happens in churches. But we know from the third book of John that it happened in the churches in A.D. 95. And you probably have pictures or images that come to your mind of individuals that have caused um, havoc in churches because of a diatrophy spirit, desiring to have the preeminence. There are many, uh, <clears throat> many uh, a young pastor has come out and been completely blown out of the water because he had the idea that all Christians acted like Christians. You know, one of the best seminaries I had was I grew up in a pastor's home. I knew, I knew what Christians acted like because, number one, I was one. And number two, I'd observed a lot of them. So it wasn't a rude awakening to me to think, whoa, there are diatrophies. Incidentally, have any of you ever heard anyone name their son diatrophies? No. Have any of you ever heard them name a son Demetrius? Yes. Demetrius is to be commended. Demetrius in the Bible right here is commended, and we're not going to take time to look at that. But John specifically zeroes in and says, I know Diotrephes. I know he loves to have the preeminence. He is hindering the work of God. And when I come, we don't know that John ever came, was able to come. He said, I'm going to call him out on this. Woo! This is John of love. That is love. Because this was a cancer that was growing. Now, what are some lessons we can learn from this? Number one, there are always people who make church life difficult. And you know what? At one time or another, all of us have been one of those people that make church life difficult. Church is made up of people, people who are sinners, 
hopefully, people who are sinners saved by grace, but it's made up of people that can easily step back and walk in the flesh. It shouldn't surprise us. I mean, here John is writing a man that was living with Jesus Christ is now writing, addressing a problem in the churches. There are many people today that say, I don't have anything to do with church anymore because uh, there's problems there. Of course there's problems. There's people there. Wherever there's people, there's problems. And by all means, don't join a church if you find one that has no problems because you'll ruin it. Seriously. So it, it, we should have in the back of our mind, there are always people who make church life difficult. But we need to understand, secondly, the Christian life is relational. I'm, I'm going to be a Christian and just keep to myself. I don't need church. I don't need anybody else. You're not an obedient Christian. Look at Gaius was commended. Why? Gaius, I commend you because you sit at your home, read the Bible, pray, fast, and never do anything with anybody else. No, they said, Gaius, you are relational. You give to others. You serve others. You are involved with others. Now, I understand. There's times that you think, I don't want to be around others. But that's not a biblical attitude. The Christian life is relational. We are to be involved with others. And because some people abuse it, doesn't mean we need to cut ourselves off from it. Now, we also learn from this that we are known by what we do. We are known by what we do. Gaius was known by what he did. And he was commended for it. Why? Because he did what was good. Diotrephes was known by what he did. Proverbs says, even a child is known by his doings. We are known by what we do. That means we learn from this that we are to know the truth and walk in it. That's the doing of it. I mean, as much as I'm, I'm thankful that you're here today, being in church doesn't say a whole lot other than that you see the need to obey Christ and be in church. What's important is that when we read the Bible, when we're challenged from Scriptures, that we go do it. You've been around here long enough that you understand most of the messages that God has led me to preach come down to a point of this is truth, now what are you going to do about it? It's not given in such a manner that here's information. Wow, wasn't that information fascinating? That isn't preaching. Preaching brings us to a point of decision. Am I going to obey it or not? And it's easy to become callous that we walk in and walk out. It doesn't matter how much truth you know. It matters what you do. What are you walking in? 
We don't need more lessons about prayer. We need to pray. We really don't need more lessons about um, sharing Christ with others. We just need to do it. And Gaius walked in truth. We also learn how important it is to be hospitable. How important it is to be hospitable. Gaius realized everything I have belongs to you, God, my time, my house, everything I have belongs to you. And if you want me to serve in this way, I'm willing to do it. You know, it's just like when we, when we have a, a music group come in like we've had this summer, we shouldn't have to call people to try to rouse people up to house Bible-believing Christian young people who have given their summer to traveling to visit churches to give them a place to sleep. We should be knocking each other over. I want to be hospitable. I want to be a follower of Christ. I am. Hey, let me bless them. See, think about it. What have you used your house for? What have you used the resources God has given you? How hospitable are you? We learn Gaius was hospitable. We learn from this. Then he says in verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. So he says, here's Gaius. Gaius, I commend you. Diotrephes, he is not to be commended. And he then says to Gaius, Gaius, do not imitate Diotrephes. Do not be like him. God will deal with him. You imitate what is good. And notice what he says in verse 11. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. So he's saying, pattern your life after godly examples and live to be a godly example. You know, people, people say, ah, we're, we're losing young people in Christianity. And we can point a lot of fingers at a lot of different areas. But you know what? I really believe if they saw in us something worth having, it would, it would make them double, double think again. But sad to say, many times they see and hear the same thing we're hearing, but they don't see us walking in it. We get just as angry as an unsaved person. We may not use swear words, or we may use swear words, but we get just as angry as anybody else. We are just as materialistic as anybody else. So what difference do they see? Live to be an example. Make your marriage in such an example that your kids would grow up and say, man, if I could just have a marriage like mom and dad have, I'd be happy with that. The bottom line here is what we do shows what we really are. What Gaius did showed what he really was. What Diotrephes did shows what he really is. And that's what he says in verse 11. He who does good is of God. 
but he who does evil has not seen God. It's not the good works that save. But if you are born of God, you will do good. And if you are not born of God, you will be self-centered. You will be um, living in a little small bubble, the bubble of self. You will be continually walking in the flesh. And that's what in 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, he keeps bringing this back. And what we do shows what we really, really are. Let me ask you. If John lived with you, what would he write about you? Someone has penned and so accurately penned. Let me just read this to you. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one would walk with me than merely show the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but an example is always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the ones who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the sermon you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. There was no misunderstanding how Gaius acted and how he lived. And there was no misunderstanding how Diotrephes acted and how he lived. There's the good, there's the bad, but what about us? Heavenly Father, I pray today that your spirit would make personal these truths in our lives. Thank you for the record of Third John. And Lord, I pray that, that truth would stick to our hearts today. Lord, I pray if there are individuals here today that know they are not of you, that they've never called upon you for the forgiveness of sin, I pray today would be the day of salvation. And then, Lord, I pray for every believer. I ask that we would be aware what kind of example we are, we are providing. And, Lord, I pray that we would imitate that which is good that we would imitate you, and it be manifested in what we do. For your glory we pray. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed.